0: I'm supposed to get a risk next week and you know that when I won't. Working for a living, working for Black. working for a living, working a working I'm taking what they working for a living, yes, you can, and it's the Shiny Squirrel Podcast. I'm WC Chronicles, and... I, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, we interviewed Greg Van Cott because I'm getting more into interviewing profiling people in my industry and what they do, and we got a new person. Well, not new to me. It's new to you. His name is Junie Maddox. Maddox?
1: Yeah, how you doing, Wayne?
0: I'm good. How are you, Junie? I'm doing all right. Now, I've I, we, we met through Flickr Theater. Mm-hmm. You.
1: What is your role? I'm the improv teacher here, and what do you do? Yeah, what I'm doing, I teach self-development for acting. Basically, what I do, I try to teach people to use their real life experiences and try to put them into the characters that they portray, whether it either be a stage play, whether it be even simple as reciting poetry. How to take their true life emotions and put them into the characters that they create and bring it to life. Because one thing that I try to focus on is believability. Because when a person goes to a movie or they go to a stage play, they want to see who you are as an individual. They they don't want to see somebody that's already in the business. They want to see some fresh original blood. And what I try to do, I try to help bring them out.
0: Honestly, I want to say I've been looking forward to doing this podcast, interview, profile with you because you are just a great conversationalist.
1: Thank you. I truly appreciate that. So what's your background into getting into personal development? Well, my background is um, growing up as a kid, I used to imitate cartoon characters like um, Casper, the Friendly Ghost, and I used to imitate Popeye. And then um, when I started getting a little older, I started watching Japanese science fiction movies. Uh, My favorite, number one favorite is Godzilla. And I used to always imitate Godzilla. So that's when my act, I wouldn't say my acting career began, but my love for passion to portray somebody else outside of myself. And people was always entertained when I would imitate. They would say, hey, my nickname was Chico. Hey, Chico, let's hear Popeye. They're like, I am what I am, and that's all what I am. Can
0: you can you do the Popeye
1: laugh? <laughs> well, blow me down. You
0: are only the third person I have ever met who can do the Popeye laugh, aside from me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is yeah, good to hear. it really makes me laugh because one trait that he does, he talks to himself. I think... I, can relate to that Because I do that too Only thing is I don't say some of the crazy things That he does
0: Yes <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what me and Papa are Just like cause Connected Because he walks down the street Like yeah. yep. uh, You know like
0: Yeah I'm gonna go, 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 go get me an olive oil and go, <laughs> get
1: gonna <laughs> Yeah stuff like that That'd be just having me In stitches But that's the beauty of it Because that's a character It's something that Someone sat down And just created And just put a whole lot Of humor into it And the thing is, like, what I wanted to do, I wanted to actually be part of that. I wanted to actually be someone who can actually take someone that's make-believe and make it alive. And that's basically where my love for acting began as a kid. Only thing is I never had a chance to do it professionally because of financial reasons. Because life gets in the way. You're going to school. And when your parents always say you got to get your job, you got to get your good education. I mean, that's a good thing. But then when you want to follow your heart You want to follow things you do, people have a tendency to doubt you. It's not that my parents doubted me. It's just like they just wanted me to be wise as far as—
0: Like that John Lennon quote, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans.
1: Right, right. And we all know how that came to be. So, yes. Of course, absolutely. Uh, One thing my mom always stressed to me, you always want to have a backup plan in case something doesn't work out. You got something to fall back on, which she made perfect sense, you know, in the process of— pursuing your dreams you got to have some type of financial backup in other words like while you're going to school learn to be something that's going to sustain you financially until your dreams can come to pass but if you don't have any financial stability it's going to be a lot more difficult because even though acting is an art and a craft they've turned it into a business as well i think today what they've done most is taken the beauty of making movies and made it more of a business instead of an art and a craft. I try to focus on the creativity and to stay true to the art and the craft, because I think a lot of times in Hollywood, they've forgotten that. I don't know if that makes sense, but...
0: That, that does make sense. So someone who's coming to you for the first time in class at Flickr Theater, what is their expectation to be?
1: Well, their expectation is... Some of them want to be an actor or an actress, but what I try to do, I try to get down to the roots and the heritage of what it means. In other words, you have to understand how to step outside of yourself and become someone else. You have to come out of that turtle shell and be exposed in front of people because when you're standing in front of thousands or millions of people, people want to see what you're made of. People want to see who you are. And what I try to do, I try to get students to say, listen. Before you can actually get paid with what you do, you got to love what you do. If you have to do research and study of different actors and actresses that actually portrayed in great films, they didn't get where they are because of their looks. They got where they are because of hard work. And I use what you call the three D's. You have dedication, determination, and discipline. D number one, dedication. You have to be dedicated to being the best you can be as far as an actor or an actress because... Dedication is going to make the difference when you're working with all type of directors, producers, even writers, or if you're working on a stage play. You have to be dedicated to this. Number two, determination. you got to be determined to be the best you can be at what you do. You have to know your strengths, seek your weaknesses, and overcome your weaknesses, overcome your fears. What is it that's holding you back from being the best you can be? What is it that's keeping you from excelling to higher levels? And then number three, discipline. You got to tell yourself, look, I want this. If I want this, then I got to pay the price. You want to be one of the best, you have to pay the best price. In other words, you have to be dedicated to what you do, determined to be the best, and then you have to whip yourself into shape. What I try to do is self-development for acting. I try to whip my students into shape. In other words, listen, you just can't walk into an audition and expect them to take you. You have to fight for it. Now, there is another way to get in, but then I don't recommend that other way, but we'll get into that later. That's another story, <laughs> right? Basically, what I'm trying to tell them is like, listen, you have to put your heart and your soul into what you do, because that's what's going to draw a person's attention. It's like, "Wow, this woman or this man has determination. They has dedication in this. You know, maybe we can work with them. All right, we'll give them a chance. And then when you get the script, you're reciting your lines, you're going through your lines, you're memorizing your lines, and then at the same time, you have to develop into this character. First, you have to understand who the character is mm-hmm. and how can you relate to that character. What are some real-life incidences that can actually fit what this character has experienced? Take those real-life experiences and put into the character. Then you can help it better come to life.
0: Because it seems like a lot of young people, I'm gonna say whether it be teens or their twenties, they expect to, uh, you know, show up and then hey, I get the gig. I I'm I'm am made for this. They want it now. I want mm-hmm. it now. They
1: don't want to do the work. Right. And that's laziness to me. I can't work with a student that just think everything's gonna be thrown at them. That's not how I work. I work like listen. If you want to be the best, and you gotta pay the price. You want to be like um, I'm gonna just throw it out there. You want to be like Brad Pitt. Tom Cruise, uh, Ben Affleck or Matt Damon or George Clooney or in the African-American community, you want to be like James Earl Jones, you want to be like um, Cicely Tyson, you want to be like Denzel Washington, you want to be like um, Taraji P. Henson, you want to be any of those great actors and actresses, then you have to pay their price. So Just showing up does not give you kudos. No, it does not. You have to actually show what you're made of. And then if you need coaching, Coaching is important because there are some gray areas that we all have gray areas in our lives that could use work, even myself as a teacher. And one thing people don't understand about me is because I like to learn from my students. How can I better teach them? How can I better help them? So I learn from my students as well as me teaching them. I learn from them. I notice their weaknesses, and that can help me better help them.
0: Who was a big influence upon you growing up that got you to where you are right now?
1: I would say number one. Spiritually speaking, I would say God. And then second of all, I would say my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. And then third, my mom. Because my mom would always try to encourage all of us because I have six sisters and three other brothers. How many? I have six sisters and three brothers. Where are you in the lineup? I am the second oldest because I have a sister that's older than I am.
0: So that would make you first baseman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a baseball Pretty team. <laughs> much, yes.
1: And, um, you know, my parents, um, mainly my mom was always the one to encourage us. There were times when my dad would kind of encourage, but my father was more, how can I say this? I would say he was a lot more harsh okay. than my mom was. My mom was the kinder, gentler side, but my mom do have a disciplinary action side, too. It's just, you know, my mom didn't, when she used to discipline us, you know, it was painful, but... My mom started to sit and talk to us on a one-on-one basis, and that's how me and my mom are so close. If anybody influenced me to be the best, my is my mom. You know.
0: I have to agree. My mom is a big influence on me and who my character
1: and person is. I am today. Right. And then um, on top of that, people may have called me a mama's boy. I'm, so what? You know. Who doesn't love their mother unless you're just an abomination? What I mean by that is your mom gave birth to you and then you have no courtesy or respect for her no matter how many times she fed you, cleaned you up, clothed you, put you to sleep, woke you up for school. And for you to have no love and respect for your mother, you're an abomination. I have to agree with you
0: on that. What about college professors or schooling? Where did you go to get that experience?
1: Well, growing up in Chicago, um, I didn't start acting in class until I got out to California. Um, well, as, Basically when I was in Chicago I was in Chicago suburbs I would do like talent shows I would do like um, stage plays And then when I got to California I started doing stage plays And was doing talent shows and lip syncs And then um, as I went to junior college And I tried to, to pursue more acting classes And things like that And try to do auditions I've done extra work before I have a little taste of how it works you know, but you can't bother the actors or actresses because they're focused on trying to perform their lines. So, basically, one of the rules is you have to stay within a certain area where it's telling us time to shoot. Because you could be on a set all day and not be used once, or if they use you, they're going to use you for a short limit of time, and then and that scene might even get cut out of the movie. And that's something you have to get used to. Right, right. Because you could be on a set for hours and they might not even use it but you're still getting paid for it. I don't have a problem sitting down and getting paid doing nothing. I mean, that's easy money, but I like to earn my pay personally. I like to actually get up there and fight.
0: Well, I mean, since we're on that topic of being as an extra, Mm -hmm. that's a good time to do some networking with the other individuals who might be just sitting there and having a cup of coffee
1: or something in the uh, concessionaire's tent. Absolutely, because you never know who's connected with what. But you also, at the same time in Hollywood, you have to be careful who you connect with because you have what you consider the dark side of Hollywood. I'm not going to get into the explicit details. I'll get into that later at a later time. But Second I'm just podcast. Gonna say, yeah, I'm just going to say the dark side of Hollywood. In other words, a side of Hollywood where people don't really know about or a side of Hollywood that people do know about but they're afraid to talk about it. The side that would scare Darth Vader. Yes, <laughs> and pretty much. That would have Darth Vader running for cover. And you know how <laughs> wicked he is.
0: Yes. So as as you were growing up as a child and getting more into it, what was the first thing that bit you and you said i like this i'm gonna do this
1: Mm -hmm. first thing that bit me was actually um cartoons cartoons yes because watching popeye and like watching japanese monster movies like godzilla it actually when i can become someone else i can let myself go i can actually step out of myself and be somebody that i'm not and people will be entertained by it. People actually laughed, smiled about it. And that gave me some, some form of purpose. Like maybe there is something to this. If I can just, someone just give me a chance, you know, cause you hear about it all the time, how a child actor gets a spot in the spotlight and people Admire that child Or they say A child is so cute But then when these Children actors Grow up and start Getting older Oh my (laughs) So I do believe um, This is just my Personal insight about that When a child actor First steps on the Scene of Hollywood They need to prepare That child actor To grow up In Hollywood In other words As that child actor Grows up Then they start Introducing more Older roles For that child actor To play And as they grow The scripts get Older with them So when they become A preteen They're also, doing things that preteens would do. Or if they become a teenager, they're doing roles that teenagers would do. Or when they become a young adult, they're doing roles that a young adult would do. They actually grow up. As they're getting older with right. their audience, which right. doesn't seem to happen a lot anymore. Right, right, because what happens is Hollywood has taken these child actors and gassed up their ego. And then when they get older, and then when they lose appeal, then the child actors don't know what to do with themselves. They get all influenced, like you're going to be successful, you're going to be famous, people are going to love you. And then when they're not that child, that cute little actor anymore, and people don't go to see them anymore, they they don't know how to handle it.
0: And that seems to go back to likes of Gary Coleman, uh, Dan, Donny, uh, Danny Bonaducci. Mm-hmm. It just it kind of goes back, and it kind of the Disney Channel has kind of warped that even more these days. It seems like
1: right, absolutely because. I do believe Hollywood is guilty of this. They get these cute little kid actors and people go out to see them in their family films or whatever, commercials. And then Hollywood don't prepare them to grow up. They just take these little kid actors and then when another cute comes along, they push that kid to the side and leave him hanging. Leave him out to dry. Or a little girl. It's not fair. The way I look at it is if I was an actor or say a director or producer, I would say, listen, we need to prepare these child actors when they start getting older. We need to prepare them for older roles. So instead of them doing family films, let's get them into family dramas or family comedies or family uh, documentaries as they grow up. So that way they start Making a transition from becoming a child to a preteen, from a preteen to a teenager, from a teenager to a young adult, young adult to an adult. So they have a history on how they was like, this kid has, I've seen this kid grow up in this TV sitcom and I've seen how they blossom into a beautiful actor or actress. You know, people are familiar with them. So I watched this kid grow up. He's, he does an excellent job.
0: Yeah, like uh, Daniel Radcliffe from, mm-hmm. from the Harry Potter series. Right. He's actually
1: transformed himself into an adult actor pretty well. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's basically what Hollywood should have done. Instead, Hollywood is like to exploit children. They like to stereotype certain groups of people. And I'm not going to mention no names. I'm not going to mention no companies. <laughs> All I'm saying is, like, I'm going to take it for example. The 1970s black exploitation films. Well, anybody like in my generation, I grew up in 1971. I was born December twenty sixth, 1971. And I was a... Witness of the black exploitation films, how these black actors in the 70s were playing pimps and hoes and drug addicts, drug dealers or neighborhood heroes to fight against oppression like police brutality or drug dealers. Mm -hmm. What I believe should have been done while these black actors were portraying these roles, they should have been putting their money together. So, listen, we need to start doing our own movies. We need to start our own version of Hollywood where we take our experiences and bring them to life on film. But they didn't do that. Because I'm not going to – like I said, I'm not going to say no names, but I do leave they're in with the macabre. What I mean with macabre, they're in a the secret society that as long as you do as we tell you to do, play the roles we want you to play, you're going to get paid. But you also got to pay another price. But I'm not going to get into that yet. You definitely right got to get into that in another time for sure because that's a great topic. Right. Because just to give you a little taste of what I mean is how – some people in Hollywood will ask you how far you're willing to go to be successful – I mean because what i try to teach in self-development for acting is you have to put your heart and your soul into this that way at least it'll be pure at least you know you can go to sleep with a clear conscience now if you're willing to do anything to get these fame and fortune roles or these spotlight in hollywood but it comes with a price a very heavy price yes absolutely and I'll let the um, audience figure that one out. More so if than some just... some other audience don't even know already. Making a deal with the devil, literally. Yes, pretty much. Pretty much. Yes. Are you willing to sell your soul to get fame and fortune and to be successful? Or are you willing to go from the ground up and just... Go through the school of hard knocks, in other words, go through the dedication, determination, and disciplinary work to get there. That way, when you achieve that award, you worked hard for it. You didn't have to sell out to get it.
0: Right. You didn't have to sell your soul to
1: get it, and you can still keep your soul intact. Right. Absolutely. I'd rather be a person to take something and build it from scratch and to build it into something strong later on in the future than to jump in there with a whole bunch of sharks and get devoured over time. Because one of the things, especially with these young child actors, Hollywood has been guilty of taking these young child actors and sucking them dry all their youth and then leave them broke. And especially if they have parents that are too ambitious for their children to be in Hollywood and then living their life through their children instead of building a nest egg for their children when they get older. Yes. Then that child gets older, they have no money because their parents don't spend it all. There have been cases where, like, for example, Gary Coleman. When he was a child, his parents was supposed to have been putting money away for him. They were spending all his money. And when he became an adult, he didn't have nothing to show for it. He had nothing. And, uh, yeah, that's what this—it's a sad story. Of course. I agree because and any parent—I'm just, just going to put it out there. Any parent out there that's guilty of this, you're a disgrace. You're a disappointment to real parents out there that's barely struggling to make ends meet, that's actually taking care of their kids and putting some type of morale in their children. And you have a child that has a shot at becoming famous— in Hollywood, and all you're doing is using that child as your cash cow. You're not teaching that child to prepare yourself for when you get older. You're taking that your child's money and spending it on your own instead of taking your child's money and putting it away for something big in the future, like college education.
0: Yeah, somebody need they a personal finance class that you used to get in high school, which I don't think you get anymore, needs to kind
1: of be re-given again. I agree, because you need to start teaching children at a young age to be self-sufficient. Because... From what I understand, from the time a child is born up to the time they're seventeen or eighteen, an uh, average parent spends a total of eight hundred thousand dollars on one child alone from the time they're born up to their seventeen. And that's just on paper. Right, right. <laughs> we don't know like if a child if a parent has more than one child and how much the costs yeah. as far as raising and, and,
0: and that may not be actual money,
1: but that's based on what you would be right, paid if right. you were spending time with your child growing up. Right, right, absolutely. And also getting back to self-development for acting, what I try to do, I try to get my students to say, look, dig deep. You know, How would you, How did you feel about this? Or how did you feel about that? And I would actually talk to them. We also have what you call um, conference session in self-development for acting where I sit and talk to my students. And we talk about different things like what have you experienced? Or we, I do what we call a journal entry. Mm-hmm. I have them write down their daily activities, how you felt what you felt, what happened today, and how did it make you feel. I try to have them take those real-life experiences and what we're doing, poetry reading, or we're doing a script, a scene from a script, put that emotion into the character. I want to see that character come to life. I try to tell them, look, pull more, pull deep, dig deep. We want to see who you are. Don't tell me you can't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. In my class, there's no such thing as you can't. Yes, you can.
0: I believe it's very important to not put people down in something like you need to build them up, not build them down. Right. Accentuate the positive, derail the negative.
1: Exactly. And what I try to do, I try to remove the negative out of their lives while they're in the class. Say, listen, whatever's going on in your personal life, let me help you overcome that. Because even one of the things that I try to do as a teacher, I dig. I've even dug deep into my past. And there are some things in my past that I'm not proud of either, but I had to overcome them. If I'm gonna to excel to greatness, then I gotta overcome the negative things in my life in order to obtain the positive. You know, because you can't be a great actor or actress if you're having something that's holding you down and you're allowing something to hold you down. You've got to cut that loose. It's like cancer. It's gonna kill you. If you don't cut off the cancer before it gets any bigger, it's gonna spread and eventually it's gonna consume you and destroy you. What I try to get my students to do is overcome those weaknesses. And together we can overcome those weaknesses. I'm not just a teacher, I'm a student myself because I learn from my students. Help me help you. Because you never stop learning. Right, absolutely. Because a lot of people get these awards or they get these degrees, like a bachelor's or a master's or a PhD, and they think they know everything. <laughs> but life is a learning experience. Every day you wake up, you're going to learn something new, no matter how small the big it is. And for me, the more I learn, the better I can teach. I always, always
0: consider life is a journey, not a destination. Yes, absolutely. You can, have, you can pull into
1: the stops and refuel, but then you keep on going. Absolutely, yes, because the older you grow, the more knowledge you have to know, specifically, because you're going to have people that want to know things. And if you don't know them, then how are you going to teach them? Because when I tell my students together, we could. if I don't know the answer to this, together we can learn them. That way I'll know as well as you. Because the more I learn, the more better I can teach. The more I teach, the more I can learn myself. Because I do think a teacher needs to be taught also. That's true. Like, how can I teach my students? Let me see, okay, how can I better relate to this student? How can I better relate to that student? Or how can I better help this student? What is it their are gray areas? Hmm. How can I relate to them? What is it something that I've experienced that I can share with them that can help them grow stronger or help them to overcome their weakness, or overcome their fear? Because I think the main thing about it is fear. <laughs> the fear of failure. Now, that's one thing that everybody can relate to, the fear of failure, mm-hmm. the fear of saying, what if I'm not good enough? What if I don't look the certain way? Don't worry about that. Worry about the art, the craft. The rest will come. Cause you have to love what you do before you get paid for it. That's one thing I try to stress in my class. You have to love what you do before you get compensated. It's just like a job. You know, some people work jobs that they don't like, but the compensation is nice, but they hate it. But some people work something they love and they don't get but pennies on the dollar, but the heart and the passion is there. And eventually it's gonna grow in time. What I try to get my students to understand is love what you do first. Don't worry about the compensation that will come, but worry about the art the craft worry about being true to what you do that's where it's gonna pay off then you get the large compensation in time but not right now see people try to go in for the big compensation but they don't want to do the work they don't want to do the legwork absolutely It's laziness as i was saying before people will just go in there and just look a certain way and think they're just going to get the role it's not it's not going to work that way you have a lot of competition out there A lot of people like myself that have dreams of being big, dreams of being successful, you got a lot of people out there that want that same dream. But the question you have to ask yourself is, are you willing to do the work to get there? Are you gonna go through um, boot camp, in other words, pretty much, to get there? Are you gonna do the exercise? Are you gonna take the harsh atmosphere? Because I'm gonna tell you straight up, Hollywood has a harsh atmosphere. Because you're up against a lot of competition. You're up against about you're up against people that's trying to get in. You're up against people that's been there for years. You're up against people that are arrogant and cocky and think you'll never make it. You're up against people that's going to tear you down because you look a certain way or the color of your skin. It's a dirty game. So if you're going to get into this, you have to understand what you're up against. You got to have a tough skin and be prepared for it. Right. You have to have unbreakable skin. What I try to get my students to understand is, you have to have the heart and the passion. You also have to have a resistance to, how can I say this? Resistance to harsh words or resistance to jealous and envious people. You have to build up a defense mechanism as well because if you don't build up a defense mechanism, you're not going to make it. Because you're going to have critics. You know the critics. Critics are always going to, if you do a role or you do a short film, and they're going to look at you like he's an amateur or he's a this and that or she's you know. She looked like she never had an acting class in her life. You know, critics are harsh. Everybody's an armchair critic, no matter what you do. Of course, absolutely. But the thing is, are you going to listen to that? Are you going to believe that? Who are you as an individual? What I try to teach, I try to give those students, who are you? Show me who you are. You know, are you going to believe the harsh words they say about you? Are you going to say, you know what? I'm not who they say. I am who I am. And I'm gonna show and prove to them, as well as myself, that I can achieve this no matter what they say or how they say it. I'm not gonna listen to that nonsense they talk because a critic, that's just their opinion. I let the audience decide that. The audience are the ones that pay their tickets to come see a film or come see a stage play to be entertained. I'ma let them be the judge. Two men sitting in a chair is not gonna determine my destiny. The fans are. The audience is going to determine whether I'm successful or not. So where
0: do people find you? Where is your contact? What night do you teach here? Tell us all your stats.
1: Well, I teach Thursday nights here at Regis' office with Greg Van Cott and you also, Wayne. Um, My website is facebook.com forward slash Junie George Maddox the third which is Roman numeral three not the word itself And then people can go on there They can see some highlights of what I've done and what I've done in Junction with Greg Van Cott and yourself Wayne
0: Well, we'll I'll definitely plug that in To the description down below where people can contact you at and also on the Instagram plugs So we'll get it all plugged in and anything else you want to say Junie because I mean you're just you're I have to say, You're one of the best conversationalists in a long time because everybody's always got their nose down in their phone which we do need but at the same time the gift of gab and talking and listening give and take is a dying art and you have it all well i
1: really appreciate that one because a lot of times in interviews people want to act arrogant and cocky and act like you know what yeah you need me but you know what basically what i try to do is to listen i want to represent out people like myself that have a heart and a passion for acting to bring characters to life that have that same dream of not only being an actor or an actress but to actually give other people a chance by growing their own production company or their own movie studios and giving fresh young talent a chance because i think what hollywood has done they're recycling movies over and over again and they're losing the heart and the passion for the art i mean how many times you're going to remake um let me see good example how many times you're going to remake the Thing, or how many times you're going to remake Spider-Man? How many times, yeah. How many times you're going uh, yeah, to yeah, time? remake... I mean, a mo- if a movie's a classic, like, for example, Gone with the Wind, that's a classic, won 10 Academy Awards, correct me if I'm wrong. Why would you remake that?
0: Don't mess with the classics. Right. But, but then
1: the reboots of something over and over again, it's... It's becoming watered down, and it's becoming regurgitated. It's like somebody... I'm, not, just, I'm try, not trying to sound gross or anything. It's like somebody vomiting up something and re-consuming it again.
0: You got to paint a
1: good picture, and that, that about sums it up. <laughs> I mean, why continue to reboot something that's already achieved success? If it's not broke, why fix it? Let it be. I have to agree with you. You know, because I think what I want to do, one of the things that I would love to do once I get myself established— is to actually have new, fresh, and original ideas. Because one of the things, sometimes me and Greg Van kind of discuss ideas for films. Like, I've had ideas, because I'm a diehard fan of Godzilla. And I'm think one of the things that has not been done is like Godzilla has not fought certain creatures that represented certain horrors, like the supernatural. Like, I had an idea where Godzilla fights a creature, a devil rodent. In other words, a rat who's possessed by the devil or who's been conjured up from hell. Now, that would be a unique concept. Right. Because Godzilla has fought creatures that represented like pollution, uh, corporate, corruption, uh, hostile takeover. But he had never fought something that, something that people take serious as their spirituality. Something heavy, really right. heavy. Godzilla has not faced an opponent like that yet. And my idea was to put Godzilla up something that was a threat to all life itself. And that's Satanism, Satanic. Look out, Godzilla, or what is it, Toko? Or the,
0: Tokyo. The, the Tokyo, are you listening? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then other ideas for films like... Um, I've had an idea like one of the things that has not been addressed in films is our food industry. I had an idea where what ha- would happen if they created a genetically modified food or feed for animals, and when these animals are consumed, the people that eat them become the animals they eat. Because, you know, we've had issues where people have mad cow disease right yeah. and genetically modified foods like these cloning of these sheeps and cloning of chickens and you don't know what you're putting in your body Very i wanted true. to explore that i wanted to because that is a horrifying thought because you don't know what you're eating you don't know what type of thing you're putting in your body because they say you are what you eat that's more than just a michael moore documentary of something right I mean, let's just take something that has been addressed, like the chemicals they spray on the vegetation to keep the bugs up, even though it's helping the vegetation it's killing us because the DDT is poison. It gets the water. Right. Or these hormones they're putting in cows uh, and different animals making them grow bigger, but that same hormones are still in the meat. And when you consume that meat, why do you think we're having children that are overdeveloped for their age? That's true. And then these synthetic chemicals they put in foods to preserve them, and then these synthetic chemicals are doing damage to our human body. There's no nutritional value to that. Well, the idea I had was, let's take this and explore this horror. What would you do if the government, because one of the things they're talking about is world hunger, right? And the government decided to create something, an animal feed, that would help the animals reproduce, but here's the side effect that they didn't explore yet. What if that person, because cons- that chemicals, chemical that chemicals still in the meat. It's still in the animal. What happens when that, human being consumes that animal and they start to become that animal now there's a horrifying thought it's like once you're eating you're going to start to become it in other words if a person eats a chicken that has been given this genetically modified food now you're going to become that creature
0: that that, that's definitely a movie storyline
1: oh yeah and then that person gets slaughtered and consumed because they turn into the animal and then they get chopped up and eaten and consumed and then here's an even deeper thought Even though it doesn't affect the animals, now the, because you know animals urinate and they have fecal matter. Yeah, it goes on into the food stream and into the soil. Now, how about this? It gets even deeper than that. When people are eating vegetables and fruit, they're becoming fruits and vegetables or grains. See, I want people to take a look at the horrifying thought of this. You know, our government, you've put your trust in the government. They say, you look, feed us, clothe us. You're putting your trust in another human being. And you have to remember one thing. Man is flawed. Man is going to come up with ways to profit off of the human race because they're human. And then you have certain elite that try to figure out, okay, this is how a human being thinks. So they want this. We're going to give it to them. We're going to give it to them on our terms. Wow,
0: I mean, okay, definitely gonna have you back on on a future podcast. We'll talk about the underbelly. This is WC Chronicles. We've been talking to Junie Maddox. Junie George Maddox. Junie third. George Maddox the third. Uh, you're just a great conversationalist. I I'm stopping it here because I won't let people rewind it and play it again because you just you got all kinds of information which is just good to hear and you got that kind of like I say. FM radio voice that I like to call it.
1: Oh, thank you. I truly appreciate that. Hopefully someday I can have my own radio show where I'm interviewing young, talented actors and actresses that's growing in Hollywood or young, talented musicians were from all walks of music. And just to hear their insight and just hear their heart and passion. Is like Because another thing I try to teach is you got to have heart and passion for what you do. And I look for that. That's what's more important to me than money. I look for the heart and the passion of what you do. If you really have a heart and passion for what you do, then I can work with you. Then we can do a movie together. We can do music together. But if you're just all about money, then I can't work with you. Because if you're willing to do everything for money, then I can't work with you. Money is just a necessity, but it's not everything. The fire and passion of getting up in the morning. Right. That's what I look for in a person. I look for that fire that they have for this. Because I, I, I told myself this a long time ago. If I can't get out there and fight for what I want... And earn it, but I don't want it no other way.
0: I like that. And I think we'll end on that. So this has been WC Chronicles of the Shiny Squirrel Podcast. And we've been talking and interviewing, profiling. Junie
1: George Maddox III. I'll let him say it because it's a mouthful even for me. Thank you, Junie. Appreciate it. Oh, anytime, Wayne. Anytime. It's a pleasure to be here.